Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm uh, Andy Bannister from Solas. Uh, this time, I'm not joined by my usual co-presenter, Christy Mayer. Uh, Christy, as regular listeners will know, works at Oak Hill Theological College, and she has the uh, wonderful excuse that she is invigilating an exam today. I did try and persuade her to dial in from the examination hall, but probably the students would not have been impressed. So I'm flying solo today, uh, recording this first Pep Talk of uh, the new year, and I'm Delighted, though, to be joined. We may not have a co-presenter, but we have a great guest for you today. I am joined by Kevin Elliott. Uh, Kevin has worn various hats over the years, just discovered before I pressed the record button for the show. He used to be a nuclear engineer before he did the other kind of things that he's done, but we won't talk about that. Um, We are interested, though, Kevin, that you have, among other things, your chair of trustees for a charity called Mission Macedonia. You've done lots of mission and evangelism in Macedonia and elsewhere. You've been involved in youth work and church-based outreach across the UK. You've written a book. So much going on. But tell us a bit about yourself. What, what's been your journey, especially into mission and, uh, and, and evangelism and some of the sort of things that uh, you talk about there in, in that book? Thanks, Andy, and Happy New Year uh, to everybody. Thank you. So I started off when I was about 10 years old. I had a, an incident where, because I was asthmatic, I got a very ill one evening. My dad had been painting the room, paint fumes came into my lungs and I couldn't breathe. Uh, I woke up, not been able to breathe at all, fell on the floor, banged my fist on the floor, hoping someone would hear me, then passed out. Um, my mum did hear me, praise God, and she, she ran in, saw, saw me lying unconscious. Uh, we had no telephone in those days, so they managed to get hold of a doctor and then he managed to get hold of an ambulance. Half an hour later, an ambulance turned up. Um, as far as I know, I hadn't been breathing that time, but then suddenly I, I got this, I suddenly sat up and found myself in bed, breathing perfectly, just before people came in with oxygen tanks through the bedroom door. Um, I honestly don't know what happened that night. I've got some theories. I know why I didn't breathe, but I didn't know how I was healed. Um, and, I, and I assume from that day onwards that I've been miraculously healed. And, I've, and it made quite an impact on me as a uh child because I felt well I'm, I've got a second chance now God is real <laughs> I think he saved me I need to do something with my life that, that was a, a sort of starting point um, as most kids sort of misbehave quite a lot uh, but I was always wanted to follow up with Jesus I ended up at university and it was really there that I got involved with um, a group called Horizons who encouraged us to get out and do some mission work a lady two weeks earlier was, was a famous missionary of the time called Helen Rosevere who spoke to us, I don't know if you've heard of her. Mm, uh, we have. Give me this mounting other books like that she'd written, and she was having a right go at us, male students in particular. <laughs> Why are you leaving all the missionary work up to us old ladies? Was basically a line. Why aren't you young men out on the mission field? And it, <laughs> I thought it was a little bit on the harsh side, but I, I saw a point because she'd been raped and all sorts of terrible things happened to her, but it'd been a wonderful. Um, wonderful witness for, for Jesus. And I thought, yeah, I'd like to be a wonderful witness for Jesus too, but there's not a missionary organization. I, I'm just a normal guy, engineering student. I don't know my faith very well. Why, what, could I, what could I do? But I did say to God, you know, if you want to use me, I'm going to make myself available. But two things here. One is I've got my finals coming up, so I'm not going to go looking. So you've got to get a missionary organization to come to me, really, and one that would accept me, and I'll go out and do some short-term work or whatever. So it was a really unreasonable thing prayer to make. But um, what happened was that the following week, a group from a, a, a World Horizons, they were called, 
Um, and they they were t- doing crazy things like taking trucks across the Sahara Desert. And they said, come down to an information weekend. And I went down. Having said that, I thought, well, I better go down now and signed up for a trip to go to Algeria. I think 17 of us drove a transit van from London to the Zahara and back again. <laughs> that was my first experience of uh, mission work. Um, but I think it was that quite important when I look back, just saying that prayer, you know, I make myself available to you. I don't think I've got anything to offer, but nevertheless, I don't mind giving it a go and send myself out there. So that was really, so that was from the university time. Hmm. You know, as you mentioned, I became an engineer, um, did that for nearly 40 years, really. Um, and then during that time, got involved with a lot of youth work, particularly. So I didn't really, I put the mission work down because I got involved in music, played in a band, a worship band in a... Christian uh, folk rock band and then just spent really 30 years sharing with teenagers sharing with children and teenagers mostly in churches um, some of it out on the streets doing detached work um, and just sharing Jesus really and I think that's what I've ended up really enjoying Hmm. reading about Jesus talking about Jesus writing about Hmm. Jesus and it was interesting Andy because I went once back to my old church, I moved from setting one youth group up at a Baptist church to set one up at a congregational church. And when I went back to the Baptist church, I took on some of the Sunday school work. The first group I went into, they'd had a youth leader there. I said, what have you learned? They said, well, we've been doing this and that. I said, well, what do you know about Jesus' parables? And they couldn't name me a parable. Hmm. Well, name me a, a miracle. And they couldn't name me a miracle. I thought, oh, they really don't know anything. And so I think from that, that was quite a, a key point for me because well, if they don't know anything about Jesus really how are they going to know to love Jesus how are they going to give their lives to Jesus if they don't know about Jesus so I think from that point on in my youth work hmm. I was determined to tell them in the in, in, in best way I could where they could understand it and identify with it um, with Jesus and, lo- and start to love Jesus and his personality and then lead them to Jesus hmm. um, in that way so it became a, yeah. a thing about 10 well, we'll come to um we'll come to the macedonia bit in in in, in a moment because that of course then leads on to the quite nicely to the, to the to the book that you've written but just one question i wanted to ask um kevin you told that story of when helen came and you know dressed you kind of christian students at university and sort of <laughs> gently kind of shook the cage a bit yeah that issue still goes on i think doesn't it that i think sometimes evangelism sort of ends up getting left to a few who seem to be you know the rest of the church go well they're they're gifted at it i'm not an evangelist it's not my it's not my job yeah. um how is there any sort of sort of reflecting back on that time are there any ways that maybe the, the, the church could be doing things a little bit differently or for those of us who are, are leaders in terms of trying to encourage perhaps more of a younger generation to get a get a, a, a vision for evangelism because i still think there is that tendency still sometimes in the church that it's left to the the trailblazers you know we're grateful that there's a there's a jay john and we're grateful there's a helen rosevere or there's a whoever out there doing it so i i don't have to i know that was my i think i was in that trap as a young christian how do we help break that, that that cycle do you think yeah that's a, that's a good question uh, what, what I think I would say with young people is what are their gifts and talents hmm. it's identifying that we did a, a, um, a questionnaire once with them that Steve Chalk would come up with I think it was called the crumble buster decoder or something some crazy name like that and it did identify where, where are young people where they had practical skills 
where they, where they were perhaps more intellectually intellectually um, skilled, or, and ones that had a real heart for evangelism. It came out in these in these sort of simple twenty questions, um, and I think in that way, we thought, well, actually, yeah, okay, well, perhaps we can involve him, get him, encourage him to go on a mission, short mission trip. Perhaps we can get him involved in some practical hmm. work, you know, where you go out and help build school for kids or whatever because it uses practical skills but still show the love of god in that way and i think churches could do that more looking at individuals well how can you show the love of god with what skills you've got um and encourage them in that way but uh yeah and i think you're right i think looking back on my you know i was in youth ministry for a while not not i don't think quite as long as you but for for, for a fair amount of time and i think yeah, one thing I learned towards the end was, you know, perhaps in the church, we need to take young people more seriously and rather than mm. feel that we need to protect them and cosset them and just, buy, you know, digest everything down into tiny little chunks for them, actually take some risks, get young people out there using their gifts. It may go wrong. That's how yep. you That's how you learn. We've got that model in scripture. You know, it Peter, Peter occasionally things went wrong, uh, but Jesus yeah. still trusted the guy. And I think maybe we've, 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 we've lost a bit of that. But let's... Um, Let's talk about Macedonia because in Macedonia, you know, you describe in your in your bio how things were quite exciting because, you know, as you put it, I think, you know, groups of inexperienced English Christians go out to North Macedonia, start taking great leaps of faith and really falling back on on having to rely on God showing up or stuff isn't going to happen. So so what did you learn in Macedonia and how did that end up um, some of those stories feeding into the into the book you've written called Sea Miracles? Yes, okay. Thank you, Andy. Um so this came out. It came out of a prayer time hmm. uh, we were having. Uh, a close friend of mine. We've been down to Cumbron, um quite regularly when they had the, a revival down in, in this Welsh town of heal, of healing miracles. So we'd been down there and we'd experienced all these healing miracles, and we wanted ourselves to get involved in that. We were praying for God for that anointing. We want to go and see people healed. So I suppose it, it was that was the. That was more of the impetus on us, I think, Andy, than necessarily going out and sharing the gospel. Was that we don't like seeing people sick, and if, if people that we, you know the impact cancer has on whole families and things like that. So we wanted to be able to pray blessings on people and see people healed um, of all sorts of things. So uh, we started we started doing this at the end of our own church services, sort of praying for people, and we saw some people being healed from that. Um, but then th- this guy moved uh, to another part of town. Um, I'm, I went out to, to his house so we still had prayer meetings together and he invited someone else along from his new church who'd already been out to Macedonia and he'd, he'd taken that verse you know where come out to Macedonia where Paul saw this man and invited him out there and he took that quite literally went out there and he met this man called Jimmy who's Nigerian and who'd set up a number of churches in uh, across the country in, these, in the poor villages there and it and as he joined our prayer group, we started praying for Macedonia as part of our prayer group. And bit by bit, it became more and more focused uh, each week on Macedonia. Um, and then Jimmy came across for one of the Christian conferences, uh, New Wine, uh, for a day. And then afterwards, he said, well, will you come out to Macedonia and put on a conference for us? Now, none of us had any experiences in putting on conferences or speaking overseas, or we had no Macedonian, we had no money, and we had no team. But we prayed into it, and we still felt God saying, yes, say, say yes to Jimmy, you know, I'll provide all these things. Um, and it was crazy, really. It was six weeks to go. We still had none of those things that we needed 
uh, to do to do this conference. But we felt God saying, you know, trust me, because uh, I can do even things you can't imagine through through you. And we knew we knew two things were going to happen. One of two things were going to happen, Andy. Either we would mm-hmm. fall flat on our face and it would be a complete disaster. Or we would see things that we've never seen before and experience God in power that we've never seen before. So it's going to be one of those two things. There was no, no sort of middle ground. And we took, we said, well, are we prepared to fall flat on our faces and look silly? Um, and we decided we were, you know, f- to take that risk. So we, we, we went out there. We had lots of promises from God through prayer that it's going to be this miracle and that miracle. And um, these people are going to be healed. And Jimmy was putting his confidence as a day of wonders and miracles and we thought well this isn't us at all but let, let's go with it and, and and see what happens so that's how we how we got mm. out there so that was uh 2017 mm. uh we went out easter and put on we hired an indoor football stadium wow uh a small one <laughs> I, mean, you know, I think it, it could take four thousand i think we had about 600 five six hundred people mm-hmm. from all over the country that came on buses uh and we fed them because because otherwise some of them wanted to have a meal during the day. So we fed them. We we did worship. We did teaching. And then we had a gospel appeal um, on the back of what we'd spoken. Uh, Jimmy did that. And again, at that point, you know, we saw him as the evangelist. So we said, well, you do the gospel appeal, which he did. Many people gave their lives to Jesus. And, and then... He said, well, for the next two hours, 90 minutes to two hours, we'll have ministry time, um, invite people forward um, for healing and for ministry. Uh, so the group of us sat at the front and he said, what do you want to call out first? Well, this was a question I wasn't expecting. I thought he was in charge. What's it to do with me? But I remember that when we'd been praying in our little uh, house, mm. one of the things that had come through in the press was there's someone going to be healed who's completely deaf in their left ear. Someone had a word from God about this. So I said, well, call out ears and head problems and eyes and things like that. And so he did. And, and about 20 or 30 people came forward. Um, I said to my translator, oh, can I go, can I go to the end? Because it's a bit busy around this area. Can we go and see the person on, on the end of the line there? So when we got there, um, Andy, I said... I said, ask her what's wrong. And he did. And she said, oh, I'm completely deaf in my left ear. So, okay. <laughs> so now you've, someone's had a word from God. And I'm actually stood there now facing that lady that's deaf in her left ear. So I think this must be of God. So I placed my hand on her left ear, said a few prayers, probably two or three minutes, prayed the blood of Jesus on her, the power of Jesus. Mm. That's the Holy Spirit to heal her. Clicked my fingers and all her hearing came back in her left ear. Meanwhile, my one of my friends, he'd also been praying for a lady that was deaf in her left ear, and she had one of her bones missing, she, he found out, in the inner ear. So it, it would be impossible forever to hear again. But whilst he prayed for her, that bone was created, recreated, and she got her full hearing back. Um, and from that point, and then they shared these things over the microphone, then more people came forward. Mm. And it got to the point where there are so many people coming forward for prayer, they were pushing in the queues they were knocking us over almost they were holding children over people's heads to get you know to get to them as to get to them first and it was quite extraordinary for people that never experienced that before um but we saw the holy spirit 
you know, go through and heal person after person. It wouldn't, wasn't everyone, of course, perhaps, but we think perhaps 60, 70% of those there, hmm. we feel that God had done that. Amazing. Healing. Hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely, I just, I don't know where to start. It's just so exciting to, to hear the stories of God at, God at work. But but here's the question, Kevin, folks listening to this going, I mean, you, that was quite dramatic and big and yeah. you, know, you went out to Macedonia, you hired a, a small <laughs> football stadium, but still a football stadium, hundreds came. Um, <laughs> the question I guess I have is how do those of us who are not called to hire football stadiums and fill it with a crowd, are there lessons from how you saw God at work there that folks who are, you know, they spent, we're going to spend their, their working weeks, you know, at the school, at the, at the business and the office, interacting with their non-Christian friends that way. I still think that the Holy Spirit and evangelism can come together in those settings. But what are some of the lessons that perhaps you learned on that bigger scale in Macedonia yeah. that we can apply at the smaller scale of everyday evangelism? Yeah. And I think, well, two reasons I wrote the book, hmm. See Miracles, was because, first of all, I wanted to get this testimony out there because God was saying to me, this isn't your testimony. You can't just sit on it. You yeah. need to share the things you've seen because other people will read that and be encouraged by it. But the, but the, the main reason really was that I wanted to encourage and give the tools to people who want to see more of God in their lives but are just unsure how, how, how to do it. So... If you've got somebody with a, a migraine come to visit you, a friend, I want to give you the confidence to say, look, hey, I'll pray for your migraine. You know, and a few, a few ways how to do that. And when you see that migraine healed, you might, want, you might go and pray for somebody with a, uh, a knee that's got pains in their knee and then pains in their shoulder. And then you might have the confidence when you see those healed to go on and pray for somebody with cancer. So it's, it's starting from where you're at, really. Yeah. Uh, other examples from Macedonia, quite different to the football stadium, would be where we go into people's homes. Um, sometimes we get invited in there. Or some, someone, perhaps like last time I went out, there was a lady that hadn't eaten for several days um, and she couldn't move from the house. Only quite a young lady. We, we took food parcels there and then went and prayed with her um, and then shared the gospel with her in, in that situation where, where, where you're, you're visiting one person. And all of us can go and visit someone we can take flowers around we can take food around uh someone that's someone that's in need and in that situation it can lend itself to conversations where especially if you can get the confidence of praying for somebody and most people who are desperate won't refuse prayer hmm. and they may not, you might not see the healing but you can pray a blessing over them and and you can share god's lo- love in that way and in that way you're doing evangelism it doesn't it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like you're an evangelist but you are because you're going into someone's home you're sharing food with them and you're you're blessing them in Jesus name and showing them the love of Jesus if you mm. get the opportunity then you can tell them a bit about Jesus and you can tell them a bit about his love yeah and not all you know, that, that doesn't always happen but you can always share the love of God even if you don't get to the point where you lead them to Jesus um, we saw that um, in one home we went to we were driving we were driving to a bigger town and I just felt God telling me to go and revisit some friends I'd seen years ago um, so we went to their house, asked the lady how she was, and she was so, so pleased to see me again. But she said, oh, she's had this arthritis, but she's had it for years. And we said, well, can we pray for it? You know, can we just pray for your arthritis? Um, you know, on that, that occasion, all the pain went from her legs. Well, it may, it may not have done, but it, it did. And that leads on to questions about 
she said, well, can I pay you? Because the Orthodox pay people if if, for prayers, pay their priests. So, no, 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 the love of Jesus is free. And that leads you into a conversation then about you know, how, how Jesus wants to bless you and, and how his love and his salvation comes freely. Um, so it's, it's learning how to do that in, in a natural way. And, yeah. and I think that's, that's part of my experience in Macedonia. Yes, we've done the conferences, and, and that is a big thing because a, a lot of, even though it's really a church conference, we found out you know half the people that come probably aren't attached to the churches or haven't made a commitment to Jesus. So there's, there's great opportunities in that. Um, but then, of course, there's you know in do, in putting it on, we're giving some people a day out, which they probably won't ever have from their villages by giving them transport and food giving them food for the day so in that you're, you're sharing love even without the evangelism bit mm. <laughs> you, you're sharing god's love with yes. people, giving them a day giving them food and giving yeah. them an experience you know for, the, for them they might not have been in a, a stadium like that before so it's mm. giving them that experience the, um, the other thing i like about that as well kevin is the is the the experience and the and the food and the hospitality piece i think matter Two, right? You know, one thing we do a lot at, at Solas, we do a lot of work with churches, helping them put on evangelism events in cafes and pubs, restaurants, yeah. those kind of things. And we've we found out over the years that if you offer people that experience, it's a nice time. The food is good, the environment is good, people feel welcomed, yes. and it's a it's a, it's a nice time. That in itself sets the scene, I think, for a gospel conversation too, because people feel valued and so forth. And I'm very struck actually when I'm reading the when I read the gospels now, because you know I think I'd missed some. Sometimes just how often Jesus' encounters are connected with food. There's often food and meals and sitting down with people. And there's a part of evangelism, you know, that can work in that context too, I think. Yeah, I think f- we underestimate the power of food. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. With um, the disciples, when he sent the disciples out, it's, it's really interesting because he says to them when they got in their twos, you know, accept hospitality. Basically go into a place that's going to feed you. And then share the good news of Christ, share the God's kingdom with them, and heal and cast out demons. But food is food is definitely a part of that. In that case, they're receiving food. But you know, you, you can be the other way. You can go and, and, and provide food and do the same thing. Um, and you know, in Macedonia, we do restaurant evangelism. They call mm. it. Uh, and it's interesting. Some of it is in restaurants. Some of it's in cafes, outside cafes. Um, some of it, would, we might just turn up to a village, like a Roma village, and set up a, a barbecue and, and have someone barbecuing. They love, they love grilled meat. <laughs> so we, we'll grill some meat and do some rolls. Uh, set up, play the guitar, uh, then share our stories, offer, do a gospel appeal, and then we'll eat. And then we'll eat with them. And again, for a village to come together hmm. openly in a field, you know, share a barbecue together. There's something special about it, really. When I, I mean, last on my last trip, we were we had a day off. Not that the Holy Spirit has a, has a day off, but we, I think I'd worked the team seven or eight days in a row. So we took this day off. We were going to try and find this location where the um, Oscar, uh, where the Oscar-nominated film Honeylands was filmed. Uh, a wonderful documentary about Macedonia. Uh, and we, we felt it anywhere near it because of the roads. But then we felt prompted to stop at this village on the way back. And when we parked the car between two cafes, 
I thought we'd head for a cafe, but this lady came out and just invited us into her home. Uh, she saw we speaking English. Her grandchildren spoke English, and then her her daughter was uh, daughter was there. Her husband was there. Some of the children mm-hmm. were there, and we we all had a meal together. And it, and it came in a, a wonderful time of being able to to share their what they believed and the struggles they had with the Orthodox faith, and we were able to share with Jesus. And we played the guitar a bit. Um, but one thing she said was, "Look." We've shared a meal with you now. You've come into our home. We've shared a meal with you. So you are now friends with us for life. And although that's perhaps overstated in our own culture, overstated way of saying it, there's a genuineness in there. You know, you've you've been with someone. You spent time with them. You've shared a meal with them, and that that counts for something. It gives you a platform to develop that relationship. In developing that mm. relationship, you can develop develop um, uh, sharing th- deeper things. Yeah. And it's not all. It's not all hit. I think sometimes we get this impression of an evangelist going in, a hit, sharing the gospel, and, and going away again. Um, but I've been reading this week a, a book uh, from a lad, Chris Lane, I used to know, uh, called "Ordinary Miracles," and he's he talks about a permanency, you know, of going on to like he moved into the Langworthy Estate in Salford. He's been there for many years. And it's over those years he's been able to develop relationships, particularly with hard cases, that then allow them to accept Jesus and then have the support they need to grow in their faith. But it's it's the sort of opposite, really, of, of perhaps a Billy Graham mission, you know, yes. where you're relying on other people. And, and I guess some of the listeners here will have a heart to go into communities and be mm. a long-term part of that. You know, in a sense, that's very, as much evangelism is, is going out yeah. and doing a crusade or hiring an indoor stadium, isn't it? Mm. Very much so. Well, Kevin, this has been a fascinating conversation and the time has kind of flown by. We've oh, wow. covered so much from overseas <laughs> mission to, to power evangelism to hospitality and, and all those other pieces. Um, obviously, we mentioned your book a couple of times, See Miracles is a book uh, you have out. For people who want to check that out, find out more about you, where's the best place for people to find out about that book and get hold of a copy, Kevin? Yeah, so you can go on... Uh the website to find a bit more about it which is uh, www.mmpublish.org or uh, it's, it's available all normal routes through Amazon every, everywhere else so yeah you can order it from any, any bookshop fantastic we'll put a link to the uh, the website in the show notes so if you're listening to this on your favourite podcast app just pull up the show notes we'll put a link to, to Kevin's website where you can find out about more about him and the book but Kevin thank you once again uh, for joining me it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you thank you very much Andy. and to all of you listening at home in the car on the run wherever you are catching your podcast hope you enjoyed this episode join me and uh, hopefully Christy be back with me again in two weeks time for a different guest and a different conversation this has been pep talk from solas thanks for listening god bless you and goodbye goodbye